Two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, are you a nurse? Do you like to express yourself in fun ways while at work? Then check out the high quality products for great prices at Eno's. From stylish scrubs to fun accessories, eNurse has you covered. Just head to enurse.com.au. Two humorous nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The, po- <laughs> the podcast that nails the perfect hospital corner. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Bedside nursing. Finally, an episode about Ooh. nursing. Is it as bad as everyone is making it out to be at the moment? No. I don't think so either. Well, I mean, we're going to answer that question during Absolutely. the <laughs> I mean, it's been tough the last few years for bedside nurses. Yeah. But it's the bread and butter. It's the best. Bedside nursing is like the koshi of morning shows. That it'll always be there. I fucking hate koshi. Me too. That was a terrible <laughs> analogy. He needs to go. He should have gone twenty years ago. <laughs> uh, no shade to our friends in primary health or like you know in the GP clinics, whatever you do, yeah. you boo. But honestly, yeah. um, I mean, you guys have an important role to play too. Uh, yeah. But bedside nursing is just special. There's something so special I about think it. It's because. It is like, it's the patience. It is, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, everybody has patients, I suppose. Yeah, I know. But bedside nursing patients are like the sick patients. A yeah. lot of nurses who, who are non-bedside, their patients are not sick. Mm, I or, guess so. They might know. have more chronic issues. Than yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I think, um, I, I mean, I joke and say that I'm like, don't have a heart and whatever. But <laughs> when I was a grad and I went to theatre... I started in Scrub Scout and I thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. And, you know, it was interesting. I really enjoyed it. But a big part of me kind of missed the interactions. Yeah. So then when I started in anaesthetics, I was like, this is my jam. I've got my little banter with the patient before they go in. And then like, and I I loved that. And then being able to tell them that like, I'm the one who's going to be really looking after you when you're unconscious, like that's my job. And I loved doing that. Like that was my favorite thing. And they would ask questions and things. And I genuinely really liked that aspect of, of. Because it still covers all the stuff that it's still bedside nursing. Well, yeah. I mean, what is bedside nursing? I feel like the the term (laughs) is like. Loose because it is loose. When and you I, say you're not bedside, I'm like, yeah, but you're chair side. But I am side. bedside. Like, yeah. yeah. So I feel yeah. like that's the same. So I think I did a bit of googling about this because you know, obviously, our definitions are are different. But bedside nursings are basically uh, clinicians who provide direct patient care in hospitals, clinics, nursing and residential care homes, and other medical facility. Mm. Um, so I think when you say bedside nurse, people just think like med surge ward in a hospital. Yeah. On the side of a bed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like (laughs) the patients are in bed. You Mm. do, you know, all the 
basic patient care, but we don't think of it as being that big picture. So when I think non-bedside nursing, I think things like working for drug companies. Doing research. Research Mm. nursing or working in... um, Like quality or projects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even like nurse management. I feel like I'm super lucky in my nurse management role now because I still get patient care like I still get you're gonna put the cannula in yeah yeah and (laughs) I feel that about like because I've been working in clinical education um for the last couple of months just casually and like when we were researching for this episode I was like oh am I a bedside nurse anymore but I'm like I do the best parts of bedside nursing the parts that I love yeah I come I do procedures and then I fuck Fuck off off. like it is the the best yeah and I'm like you know, I love that aspect of bedside yeah. nursing, but there's so much more to it. So I think um, it's all about connection, empathy and trust with patients, like to facilitate the best nursing care possible, like patient, what do we call it? Patient-centred care mm. for for the patients in the hospitals. And in today's world, in the today's nursing world especially, there's a lot more emphasis on empathy and communication. So mm. our role as a nurse has moved from somebody who just does obs in a shower Makes to being yeah, yeah, like being a patient advocate and a mm. patient educator. Yeah. And we do a lot more stuff that it's the holistic. doctors used to do yeah. that now falls on nurses. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, now that I'm in a bit more of a management role, the words like patient-centred care or people-centred care is like – thrown at us all the time mm. so even in like when we do pdps with with nurses like mm. what are you doing to make a meet hospital values mm. or meet um you know the person-centered care like at its focus whereas mm. before it used to be very much on the nursing and medical side so yeah. i'm doing this because i need to get this done as a nurse whereas now it's like you know, I would get up when I first started nursing. We had everyone shower by morning tea. Yeah, there was no. Do you want to have a shower now? It was like it's your turn in the shower. Let's go. <laughs> it's your turn. Yeah, and yeah. literally it would be like it would be like I'm going to do you, and then I would set the next person up ready to go. Get your pajamas. Yeah. Get whatever you need. Get your toilet bag. And as soon as I've done here, I would move on. That's but so now it's like, would you me. like to have a shower? Yeah. When would you like to have your shower? Do you shower in the morning? Because yeah. not everybody showers in the yeah. morning. And like this whole, it's changed so much. Oh, like, no. I think. We like trying to narrow it down so we're not like going off on these tangents. But I mean, it's us. What can we do? Um, <laughs> we have very so low it's not just yeah, <laughs> it's not just medical care, medication, obs, and personal care. But there's so much technology involved in nursing mm. now as well. Bedside nursing is very technological, not so much in our place because it's all paper based. <laughs> but you know, like um, we're expected to use things, and we're expected to do way more than we've ever done. Because technology and medical Mm. care has advanced so Mm. much. But basically it comes down to patient assessment. Everyone needs to know how to assess a patient Mm. because that's your first sign how to spot a deteriorating patient. Mm. But there's also lots of other things that you probably never would have done like cardiac telemetry, IV cannulation and CVAD management. When I first started nursing, no one did that. Yeah, That was a doctor's role. Um, And even in the hospital that I work, Worked out before coming here. Nurses didn't do cannulas. That was a doctor's job. Really? To do cannulas. Or you called the oncology nurses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Venipuncture, again, 
it was never a role of the nurses, but it, depending on where you work, taking your morning bloods might be your responsibility. Mm. Um, infection control issues, like especially in this world of the COVID pandemic, infection control has mm. been at the forefront. I don't think any of us have ever thought more about bin win when we take off our COVID <laughs> inflicted <laughs> PPE and put it in a bin. Like no one's thought about that. And we're like having people, like the educators, watching people don mm. and off. PPE, making sure it's done correctly. Yeah. Like that's all part of bedside nursing. Um, patient education, that's a huge thing. We spoke um, to Nurse Sibs recently and that's part of her role as clinical nurse specialist and her job in, in the cardiac unit is to educate patients about their conditions. Yeah, and I love that. And that's one of my favourite things to I do I love it too. too. Yeah. yeah. And you just feel like you're giving them the tools and the resources yeah. and then they're going to be able to take charge of their health and their recovery. Yeah. And, like – yeah, and, and especially I think because I've always assumed that people had some level of health literacy. Yeah, and lots the level of, of have health none. literacy is like a year five or six. It's That's like insane. 10 or 11-year-olds. Yeah. And like, I think that's why now it doesn't surprise me when – I mean, it still does surprise me. But like when parents bring in their kids to ED with yeah. one fever and oh they no. haven't given them Panadol. Yeah. And sometimes you just <laughs> want to shake them and be like – the kid, there's nothing fucking wrong with them. They got a little yeah. virus. Send them home. And a fever is a way to trade virus. But well, if you don't but know then that, people don't, and no. people don't know that the fever is a natural reaction in a child to yeah. help them fight the virus. Like it's totally normal. normal. And like, yeah. and people are looking at you like this is the first time they've ever heard this. And and how's that possible? Like you can just see yeah. it. And and so I do, especially like parents. And I love that aspect of educating yeah. and giving them the RCH app and giving them the printout yeah, from Kids Health exactly Info right. and like you know being able to empower them is such. I love that part of bedside nursing. Yeah. Um, and also I think our diagnostic testing skills have, you know, increased over the years as well. Like mm. little things like ultrasounds uh, in the – for doing – Or like Dopplers. Fetal heart, yeah, yeah, fetal heartbeats. Mm. Dopplers, yeah, ultrasounds. Yeah, I know <laughs> you mean. You can tell I'm not yeah. a midwife. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also doing ultrasounds for like – or I guess Dopplers again for like lower limb assessment for venous mm. or arterial ulcers. I mean a lot of nurses are doing that in their roles um, for so like cool. lymphedema practitioners and really? things like that. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, it's all, you know, like upskilling of these bedside nurses to make them a more holistic practitioner and, and the reliant technology. isn't on other people. Mm. I mean, in some um, oncology units, the nurse practitioners are putting in the pick lines. I love that. In the chair, in the well, department. Essentially the it's ultrasound. a procedure. Like it just – Exactly. Some of these, you know, I used to watch the anaesthetists do that in theatre and I think why is the most highly paid person or the, you know, know. second most highly paid person in the hospital <laughs> doing this? Like I'd, I, I'm like why is this – they literally put a nick in the skin and whip up a guide wire and then up goes the catheter. Like, yeah. And done. they just ultrasound at the front they're like brachial, art, the brachial artery, don't do that. <laughs> brachial vein. <laughs> <laughs> basilic well, yeah. vein well, and then they yeah. just stick it in and up they go. I, I look feel at like it it's one of those things. That. Well, it's one of those things that if you had the training and you were deemed yeah. capable, like I, I don't see why, you know, you experienced couldn't. clinicians no, exactly. couldn't learn, like nurses well, they can. couldn't learn. Well, yeah, so, exactly, yeah. if you're a nurse practitioner. Um, and obviously uh, I think – I don't think you have to start your nursing career in bedside if that's not what you want to do, right? I yeah, don't I don't think you have to. But there are some things that bedside will teach you that I just don't know if you can get anywhere else. And like effective I mean, this I wasn't gonna start with something that's just you can get anywhere, but effective communication. Mm. And I don't just mean between 
um, like handover between you and another nurse, but yep. I mean you and a patient and you and a patient's family mm. and you and a senior doctor. Yeah, absolutely. There's something absolutely terrifying to even the most <laughs> senior nurse to have to ring a consultant at 2 a.m. It's in the so morning true. because you think there's something wrong with the patient and they answer the phone and they yell at you, why are you ringing me? And you're like, because the patient is hemorrhaging. And he's like, impossible. And you're like, no, I really don't think it is. Can you please look at the photo I sent you? And then next thing you know, like they just hang up on you and the next thing you know, like the after hours manager's ringing you to prep the patient for surgery because you were correct. Well, do you know, you it's know. funny. So I have a story like that. Um, I had to call a consultant. It was like um, a patient's card, like their cardiologist. Yeah. And I had to ring this cardiologist and I was like, you know, this guy's got incredible pain, like lower chest, like almost like epigastric region, right? And I'm like, this is all the assessments I've done. Like I went through everything. And then I was like, oh, and I have an incidental finding, which I think could be related, but I don't know. I'm like, he has the biggest abdominal hernia I've ever seen in his <laughs> life, in my life. And he was like, really? I'm like, yeah. He goes, make sure you palpate it for a pulse because it could be his aorta. <gasps> oh, and yeah, I was like, triple A. <gasps> <laughs> I was like, yeah, what I was thinking was an incidental finding that was probably relevant, but yeah. I really wasn't sure yeah. because you know you don't know what what part yeah. of his anatomy is like is herniating. But when he said that, I was like, oh my god! Well, that's funny because that leads me to the next question, when the next statement, which is like critical thinking. Mm. So as a nurse. I feel like you're always critical thinking no matter what role you're in, but bedside especially because you could go in and do a set of ops on someone who looks absolutely like death warmed mm-hmm. up, who didn't look like that two hours ago. Mm-hmm. Their obs are all fine and you're like, oh, what is happening Man, here? I have so many stories like this that I, I probably can't tell. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that whole, I mean, that's nursing intuition too, but the critical thinking to work mm. through, like how are we breaking it down into yeah. – you know, or like looking at the bloods and thinking those bloods don't match what is sitting in my chair in front of me. Absolutely. What is about to happen. And yeah. in oncology or and with our haematology patients especially, their bloods are so critical to us that we can tell so much just from an FBE yeah. that when they walk in, we know what we're – and then when they walk in fine, you're like – you're not going to be fine in a minute. No, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and prepare yourself yeah. kind of thing. And I feel like it really gives you that like genuine knowledge, experience and like um, I don't know, it gives you that skill in systems assessment. Like if yes. your patient comes in PUO, yeah. like, um, you know, with a fever and you don't know why, you literally Breaking have to down. like go through every freaking yep. system and every single possibility, like every single yep. source of infection. Like, um, and we're so lucky these days because we have things like a sepsis pathway. Yeah. So if your patient presents, or even if your patient's in the bed and you go in and they're like thirty-eight-five, you can start that sepsis pathway, mm. which helps you break down in the urgent care setting. I don't think they have those in an ED setting. I think a sepsis pathways. I mean, you can even use them on the ward. Yeah. To like. Yeah, I don't know, but that's like mm. Better Care Victoria started that, that didn't they? Yeah, Safer, Safer Care, Care Victoria. Victoria. <laughs> but I think like if you can critically think through the situations that you could be in or even critically think about what could happen 
and how you would move forward, then that gives you, again, leading into the next one, ability to stay calm under pressure. Oh, yeah. Nurses are like, I always say I'm like a little duck and I'm just swimming across the top, but underneath my little legs are going fucking million miles an hour and I'm thinking (laughs) what the fuck is about to go wrong. You know, like it's we can stay – if you can't stay calm under pressure, you need to find yourself somebody who can. We all know that nurse that's like – freaks out because they go to do the obs and the patient turns out they have SVT. And I'll give an example of this where a nurse come up to me with an ECG and he's like, my patient's in SVT. And I was like, "Mm." hmm. And he's like, I'll grab the crash crash cart, you go down and look at them. And I was like, okay. Okay. And so the two of us just like (laughs) did this. But I was like, if that had have been me... 10 years ago, yeah. I would have been like, what the fuck? What is, well, first I would have been like, what is SVT? <laughs> Why is this a problem? <laughs> but I think, like, if you aren't that person who's, like, finds their patient, like, unconscious on the bed mm. and isn't, like, your first instinct isn't to hit the bell and get some oxygen on while yeah. you wait to, like, do a set of obs or something and your instinct is to, like, run out of the room and go, help, help. Yeah. Like, find yourself someone who can, like... Who you can relate with. But also it's very hard if you work in somewhere like aged care that where there aren't huge mm. um, like super, super dramatic mm. events in nursing. Mm. Like you don't know what you're going to be like under pressure until Absolutely. you're under pressure. Mm. But nurses are pretty good at doing that. Also mm. because what we see, and I suppose my poor husband cops this a lot, I'm like, okay, hay fever is severe, but did you die? No. You just sneezed all day. Like, are you wet in your pants because of it? Like, who cares? Like, take an antihistamine and move the fuck on. We've always seen something worse. Absolutely. You know, you were just talking about, like, staying cool under pressure. I, we like, had a recess recently and I left that and I was like, oh, okay, I've officially hit the point where I'm dead inside <laughs> because I feel nothing. I literally walked away from that. <laughs> And just went and sat down and kept going with my work, like, in the education office. <laughs> and said to the one of the other girls, I was like, oh, where the fuck were you? Like, where have you been? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, just had a recess. She's like, oh, did you? I'm like, yeah. Then on my, on with my day. Yeah. And then. But it, you're not dead inside. It's just like, oh, it's just another day in the world of Alicia at bloody work, isn't well, it? Well, you're right. But also. <laughs> also, you weren't on the ward in charge. You weren't looking after yeah, that patient. Right. You were just the educator him. that went, went in. Yeah. You did what you needed to do and then you left and you can and you can learn to compartmentalise. Yeah, I feel like, like you would have been finally, different if you had yeah. been the in-charge nurse yeah, on I that suppose shift. Potentially. When you were, you could have been answerable to whatever. No, but I still, no, I don't think so. I really, like. I don't know. We'll have to test that Maybe one Maybe you're out. just super calm under pressure now. Maybe. I'm just used um, to the shit hitting the fan and being splattered with it most exactly. days. <laughs> Thank God you've got good scrubs. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> um, Physical and emotional endurance. I think this is something that builds yep. up over time. I think um, the grad nurses out there might completely disagree with me. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I think your ability to become – uh, physically able to hold your bladder for an entire shift, which is not great. Please go to the toilet. It takes 30 seconds. Um, and emotional endurance because mm. we see the worst of the worst, but we also get to see the worst of the worst get better and go home. Yeah. But I do um, agree with you about the emotional endurance, like because sometimes 
shit hits the fan and it's 8.30 in the morning and then you've still got to keep going with yeah, your shift. Exactly. Like you've just got to figure yep. out how to pull it all together and keep going. Yep. And it does make you tough. Like yep. nurses are fucking tough. I know. We are tough. Um, and leadership and mentorship. So bedside nursing, has you have an amazing ability to, to climb the ladder in a mm. leadership role. Um, you don't have to. As an RN. As an RN, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, as an Ian, you can definitely have mentorships definitely. And, and preceptorships. But as an RN, you can definitely climb the ranks. And I think if you don't want to, you don't have to. No, exactly. Just keep doing what you love. Yeah. But if you wanted to, there's so much um, out there for you to do it. I mean, I think about what I've done in the last 10 years as an RN and where I am now. Um, and it's it blows my mind. And you, like your progression from RN to mm. after hours manager was was quite a quick one once you got to where we work. I feel like the, you know, people recognise the ability that good leaders have. So mm. I might not necessarily think of myself as a natural born leader, mm-hmm. but I think that I like to I like to have control over situations. Mm-hmm. So that naturally makes me yeah, a sure. leader. Yeah. And I think the mentorship is super important. I think us nurses with some experience should be wanting to take um, grad nurses or junior nurses like under Under our wing and be like, you know, we love this area because Mm -hmm. and this is why. And I think if we think about the last few years and now the push in in this last 12 months, I've never heard so many nurses want to leave bedside. Mm. I'm going to talk about that a bit later, but I – I think because there's been so much struggle, it's yeah. your wards have been switched to COVID wards. Yes. You go home one day, come back the next day, and all of a sudden you're a COVID ward. Oh, and then if you work in theatre, you've been redeployed for half of the exactly. year. Exactly. Or for more yeah. than that. Like, or you, you go to work and have to spend, you know, 8 to 12 hours a day in full PPE without mm. the ability to go to the toilet because it takes, you know, minutes to doff and on or have a drink or have fun or go out and debrief with your mates afterwards mm. in a fun social event. And so I yeah. get why people are burnt out. Yeah. But I also think that it's important to understand that bedside nursing isn't evil. Mm. It is like it is a, an amazing place to work. It's an amazing place to make a difference in patients' lives. Directly, yeah. Yeah, to, it, yeah. it's a direct impact yeah. on patients. Yeah. I think it's interesting what you said there about um, – not being able to go out after work and stuff. Like I look back to pre-COVID times without masks and stuff and the way that the wards were set up, the way that the dining room was set up, all very different. You had communal spaces. You could all be in the same room at the same time. So you had those opportunities to socialise and to blow off steam and then, you know, to and for people to see your face. Like someone – a grad that we've had all year took her mask off the other day. And it was the first time I'd ever seen her lips and she looked totally different to yeah, I know. how I pictured <laughs> it in her head, in my head. And I'm like, you know, the tea room, our tea room at the moment is still like single table, yeah. one person per table. And that, like before COVID, when I used to do the weekends, I used to do one weekend a fortnight, late shifts. And I would bring in afternoon tea for everyone. Yeah. I'd bring in platters or like something that I made. And we would all sit around the mm. table for afternoon tea as a team and all eat like Together. from the platter, from yeah. a shared platter. Ooh, our food touched. <laughs> and then, you know, we had conversations and we had, we didn't, you know, you had the ability to say like, I had such a shitty shift or I've had such a bad week or, you know, or you just all were like, I, you know, have 
I'm, and I always say, we're going to have a great shift today. Yeah, Let's fuck the morning shift off and we're going to have a great shift. <laughs> and like, and it would just be a way to bring everyone together in a in a fun way. Yeah, and yeah. now you can't do that anymore and it's like, oh, I'm still totally just, over the masks. Oh, yeah, but well, we're going to be in them for ages. Know, I'm not happy about it. Bedside nursing is obviously just your medical surgical. Mm, no, nah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's like critical care, cardiac, midwifery. I think mm. we forgot about we forget about the poor old midwives. <laughs> soz. Uh, oncology, hematology, wards and day units, palliative care. Mm, hospice. Yeah. I mean, those areas. Age care, 23-hour units. Day units, day surgery units, um, and I even GP nurses to an extent, but I think they fall under a no different area. I, I feel like community yeah. nursing, in my mind, doesn't sit in bedside. No. I feel like maybe like um, district nursing or HIF, you know, you're still having that, I don't know, direct you're impact. You're care, but you're not yeah. doing the things that you would do in all those other units and where you're you're spending like, like eight hours with a patient yeah and supporting them and their family for all that time it's transient like, i think yeah you're right yeah. you're having these like very um short term like uh interactions like very short interactions they might be 20 minutes or something yeah. with a patient rather than like you know spending eight to 12 hours with yeah. the same person or and then looking after them for five days in a row or whatever yeah. it is like yeah exactly. i feel like that's where i make the yeah the differentiation in my head yeah yeah and I think with bedside nursing, you have such an opportunity to, like, go anywhere. Yes. Like, just because you don't like a medical ward doesn't mean you have to stay on a medical ward forever. Exactly. But you don't have to leave bedside nursing. You could just go to a surgical ward. Exactly. Or you could go to a a medical ward that is, like, oncology-based or respiratory-based yeah. or something other than what you're in. If you don't like it, move on. It doesn't mean yeah. you need to leave nursing no, exactly. just because you don't like one area. I've Patient assessment is yeah. a very important part of bedside nursing. <laughs> to help you do that, you need to head to eNurse and check out their amazing range of assessment tools and accessories. Because stethoscopes aren't just for doctors. You hear that? <laughs> eNurse has a great range of stethoscopes, reference cards, utility pouches to hold your fun pens and scissors close by right when you need the items at the bedside. They say every good nurse has a pair of scissors, so I better go get some. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I used to, but not anymore. <laughs> E-Nurse are Australia's leading nurse shop, specialising in everything that a nurse would need to survive every shift. From high quality and stylish nursing scrubs to handheld study guides and nursing equipment, they're truly a one-stop shop for everything you need. So head to enurse.com.au and don't forget to use our code HUMOROUSNURSES for 10% off. You. Um, righto, Alicia, I've talked enough now. Tell me why you love bedside nursing. Well, I feel like there's like stupid reasons I love bedside <laughs> nursing, like ridiculous reasons, and then there's some probably genuine ones. But um, to be honest, I was a hot mess as a bed- bedside nurse. Like I think it suited me in some ways, but then also like I think because I'm a bit erratic and I get easily distracted, Yeah, that was where I struggled a bit because I would digress so much or like – and this is something I've realised through teaching grads and students is like if a patient rings the bell, if that's not your like priority in that moment, it's okay to tell them no or yes. not right now. Yeah. And that's something that I got better at the longer I was bedside yeah. nursing because I think every patient, not every patient, but most patients expect that when they ring the bell and you come, this is the moment that you're going to do the thing that yeah. they asked you to do. But sometimes it's just not 
feasible. Like if yeah, you've exactly. got if you've got someone on trip IV antis, like you need yeah. to get that shit done on time. Like, <laughs> and then your patient rings because they want you know like a cup of tea, and you be like, "Well, I'll get you a cup of tea, Once but I, I have to finish round. this." <laughs> If I have not back to you in half an hour, please ring the bell again. That's exactly. what I used to always say. Yeah. And I used to say when I would go in and do my hourly rounding, which, I mean, wank, wank, but, you know, you do it. <laughs> but I would often say, like, um, especially when I was taking my lunch break, I would mm. go around all of them and say, yes. I'm about to go for lunch. Absolutely. I'll be back after 1 o'clock. If you ring your I'll, bell, me mate will come and grab it for you. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, they never would. But, like, <laughs> I would, if, if you let them know what you're doing, yeah, they then don't they're ring. like, they don't expect you. And they'd be like, I I'll be back to check when I'm back. Yeah, well, I always used to say, like, 1 or 1.30, I'll be back to check on you because nothing is going to happen in that hour. Yeah, yeah. Like no- they're gonna eat their lunch, and if something—that's <laughs> right. That's why I always took first lunch because unless I had a feed, yes. I would do my my lunchtime meds, mm. and then I'd be like, while I'm giving my meds, I'd be like, while you're eating your lunch, I'm about to go for lunch too because I get to eat as well. I did really love bedside nursing though, even though I found mm. it like I don't know, it made my brain feel a little bit messy in a weird way. Yeah, because I feel like you can't you can have a plan, yeah, but plan it never goes. To no, plan. never goes to plan. And I, so I think the first half of my shift used to always go really well, and yeah. then kind of when the wheels started falling off, it was harder yeah. for me to tie it all together. But that was because like the majority of my bedside nursing experience has been in our current workplace, which we have ratios of one to six in the morning, one to seven in the afternoon, which can be a fucking shit show. Yeah. Um, but it's just the way that it is because of what level of facility we are. But I think um. I genuinely loved it. it. And most of my days I'd go home going, fuck, I worked hard, but fuck, that was good. Yeah. Like, and some days you'd go home feeling like you'd had really wholesome conversations with yeah. people and that you genuinely helped them. And I think particularly urgent care suits me better than the ward, yeah. like, as in the way that I work. Because well, it's chaotic. Well, and it's not, and it, but it's organized chaos it's organized in a way chaos that you can in the way control. That it, yeah. And it, and it, I function better in that, yeah. in that way of like, all my patients are in front of me. I'm like a big picture person. Mm. So if I'm like looking, all my patients are in front of me, I can see how the next hour yeah. is going to go. Or I can see what I'm needing, you know, I can see what my goals, my short-term goals are. Like I, I for some reason that just works better in my brain. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny because I said one of the ridiculous reasons I wrote down was that you get really good at holding on to your pee. Like, yeah. you know, shit, it's been six hours. <laughs> no. How good this? But, um. Oh, the other another one. You get really good at ending conversations that you no longer want to be a part of. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's something you should learn real early. Yeah, and yep. be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. That's my bell. No, it's not. But I'm leaving." No, but- <laughs> and then another one of like, um, "Oh, you know, better keep moving. Got yep. other patients to see." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it that time already? Oh, sorry. Next door. I'm due next door. I told them I'd be back there at one o'clock. Yeah, I've got antibiotics. Yeah, or- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gotta keep moving. Uh, you get lots of steps in. That's very true. Yeah, you know. Um, Who needs 10,000 steps a day when you work on a medical ward? Do you know, I feel like sometimes <laughs> I'd go home not even doing 10,000. I don't know how. But um, yeah. But no, you get lots of steps in generally. And you, I feel like it's nice to be active at work because then you don't feel yes. like you need to go and be active when yep. you get home. Yeah, definitely. Um, although I've noticed now since I've been working in the office more that my ankles have started swelling like an Mate. old woman. I, I need to get some circu- the, the Dawn Fraser circulation booster going <laughs> like under the desk. <laughs> when I was on annual leave, the, my a who was covering me, she sent me a message and said, do you mind if I upgrade your office? 
my office is a box, right? No windows, yeah, nothing. No windows, and I had the tiniest little desk and I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Upgrade it. Yeah. So she, she you know what she got me? A stand up desk. Fuck yeah. Like a, like a, a sit stand. One. Yes. Oh and like. Well, actually all of ours in education are like that. Well, I'm like not a big one to stand for long, but I'll tell you what, sometimes by the afternoon I'm like my bum and my ankles and my knees need to, because the, and it's good actually because my desk previously was so low that my chair had to be low for my legs to fit under it. And I sat in a really awkward, I would sit in a really awkward way and it would drive me insane and I would get up and walk around. I think I would go down and annoy them too much. And they didn't get their job done. And so they were like, we need to work out a way to stop her coming out of the office so often. <laughs> so <laughs> this desk is great. I can adjust the height That's to good. affect me. And it's good. Um, it's a good angle for when I have meetings on Zoom to be able to, you know, <laughs> it's important things. <laughs> um, I wrote, you get to be a hero, lol. Hero. Well, in the pandemic, we got to be heroes, didn't we? And now everyone's just angry at us again because (laughs) we take too long. Uh, And we have to isolate people who come to the hospital with COVID. Evilness. Do people even have COVID anymore? Why aren't you visiting hours better? Why is the cafe closed at two o'clock? Why do I need to put a mask on? These masks are so tight. How do you wear them all day? Mm. I'm not wearing that. You know, I'm not letting you shove that up my nose. Me. But it is a uh, heroic. I love job. that we're like saying how great is bedside nursing, <laughs> and we've just sat here whinging about people. <laughs> no, though, I will say when you say you get to be a hero. I mean, not really, but I will say that one day I was in town, and um, I think my grandma introduced me to these old people, and they were like, "Oh, we've heard about you." Mm. And I was like, "Oh, what do you mean?" And they're like, "You're Alicia that works at the hospital." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you mean? Oh, we know about you. We know that if if we have to go to the hospital, that we'd be happy if you were there." Oh, that's and I'm nice. like, "How good is that? Like yeah. old people tell their friends how yeah. good I am." <laughs> Thank God. Could <laughs> you so imagine? Cute. I know. I just that was like my favorite one of my favorite moments. Of yeah. Like, Oh, my gosh, I really helped somebody who went home and told their friends, like, yeah. this nurse Alicia was so good to me, rah, yeah. rah, rah. Like, that was a really nice ego-boosting moment for me. I wrote shift work. Sometimes shift work can be mm-hmm. a shit show and other times you look at your bank account and you go, it was worth it. <laughs> I So before I became um, full-time in oncology, I had been bedside nursing with shift work for 20 years solid years i loved shift work pre-children single kelly loved shift work right i would smash out thursday to sunday night shift i would be drunk the rest of the week when i lived in broome i made so much fucking money (laughs) that it was not it was unbelievable because i and i was an en then too but i loved shift work and i made the switch into oncology full-time at the start of COVID in 2020. And to go Monday to Thursday, 7.30 to 4, made my work-life balance, uh, like, incredible. But I didn't step away from bedside nursing because I hated it Mm. or because I hated shift work. I stepped away because the opportunity came up in oncology. And I have a 
you know, I had a daughter who did dance and who, mm. and I had a husband who worked for himself so often wasn't available. And I do feel like sometimes when you've done shift work for, like I've done shift work now for 10 years and after having Ollie, I'm like, oh, it's not worth it to me. Mm. Like we've got a successful business and, you know, I'm doing okay at work, just working. I think I'm point, I, I say I'm point four, but I've pretty much worked <laughs> yeah, point exactly. six or point seven <laughs> for the last four months. But, um. You know, part-time suits me beautifully, yeah. but I found that I was struggling more like with too many fingers in too many pies and like I feel now that working non-shift work, like working in clinical mm. education and clinical support has been so, so good for my like work-life balance yeah. and to be able to get Ollie into daycare the same day every week yeah. and not dicking that around because then it was working out that some days she'd gone on Monday and then she wouldn't go again until the following like week after Friday. Yeah. So then it's been nearly two weeks that she's been yeah. to daycare and things like that. You think, well, you know, shift work was amazing for me yeah. for 10 years and now I'm at the point where I am enjoying not doing it. But yeah, I do see that I'm going to go back to it because – yeah. I can already see, like, I know where I want my career to head finally. Like, I know I, I change my mind a lot. But I, I'm pretty sure where I want to head and yeah. it will it will lead me back to shift work and yeah. to direct bedside nursing. And I think shift work is, um, it can be hard. Like, I remember when I first started, none of my friends are nurses. Like, literally none of my friends in Perth are nurses. In Where I live now, all my friends are nurses. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we can't see each other because we're all in shift work. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was in Perth, I would say to my friends, just keep inviting me. Yep. I might not be able to come to like 80%, but, but just give keep me, inviting me. And give me six and if weeks notice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I also worked on a ward that had a very flexible rostering yeah. system and people were more than willing to swap shifts. Yeah. And I, you know, we did it all the time for each other. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, if you're you, all doing it. Yeah, exactly. But I work, like I feel like my, I feel like it depends on the ward you work on and yeah. the people you work with. But if you can have that open communication. Yeah. But it's not, it's not the most... Um, evil thing. I think it just depends on the phase of your life and what you yeah. need at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And if you need yeah. the money, fucking go for fucking it. Fucking go mate. for it, yeah. <laughs> night shift on a Saturday night. Ching, 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 ching. Yeah. Right, my next ridiculous reason is that sometimes you feel like a detective. Fuck yeah, that's the best I thing, it. isn't it? I love it too. We I had a patient it. the other day who just could not answer my questions <laughs> and he went around and around in circles and I came out and I was like, someone else go in there and give it a go because I'm not getting anything. And it was like, yeah, you feel sometimes you've got to dig to the depths of their soul mm. to find out what is going on and mm. then like what is wrong with you? Mm. What is wrong yes, with you? That's one of my favourite things. Yeah, that's and why you love urgent like, care. Yeah, I think so. I really love – and this is something actually – I think I finally figured it out. I love puzzles. Like all of my mm. games on my phone no, are like word puzzles. I do not love puzzles. Or like, yeah. So I love puzzles and I love like problem solving. So I feel like maybe mm. that's why urgent care um, works Suits. really well for my brain mm. because I feel like I can solve little puzzles all day. Yep. And I do. I love that feeling of being a detective, especially when you get a moment and you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to figure these medications out because like yes. some people will come with an entire tub and they have no idea. They're like, what just they whatever's are. in the box. Sometimes yeah. I take that brown one. Um, I don't take the fluid tablet um, on Mondays because I go to church and yeah. I don't like to wee all the way through church. And I'm like, fuck me. You sit there and they've got no idea and so you've yeah. got to work it all out. And I, I do actually like that. 
Yeah, you know, like filling fun. out the medication management plan and having it like perfectly completed. Yeah. Well, I, that's another thing I love about nursing is the paperwork. Do you? You Man, like paperwork? I love paperwork. I kind of like it too. When I like it's done to be out. Yes. Yeah. I like to do an admission. I used yeah. to love that. If you're type A, you yeah. probably really like paperwork. Well, I'm not type A, but no. I just love, I love having like, you know, and I, I've had to train up all new nurses and like, and I'm, I realized the other day that I'd left off two major pieces of of, of our paperwork that they hadn't been doing oh. because, like, our, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. And so I was like, oh, my God, you guys need to do this. Like, it's important. Like, <laughs> important <yeah>. bureaucracy. <laughs> I love that. I love the paperwork. I mean, there's so much paperwork, but and in our Some hospital, it's probably. literal paper. It's yeah. not online. But we, in oncology, we use a, um online medical, um like an online system that because we are with another hospital. Yes. And so it has all the nursing obs on there and all the, um mm. all our, medication chart and everything on there and so I love oh I thought you were going to cough <laughs> so I love filling that out and getting it like everything ticked off anyway what what I like the real reasons you love it the real the reasons. silly reasons right well the silly reasons are done the real reasons I would say because I love procedures fuck yeah Procedures are the best part. Yes. If we couldn't do procedures as nurses, I would have quit a long time ago. What's your favourite procedure? Oh, you like suturing. I like to put in catheters in a weird way. Me too. Because it's, again, you, you want to be the winner. You oh. want to be the one that gets it in the hole. Yeah, I want to get the wing <laughs> hole. I have my little secrets and I never fail. And I know that I have really fucking good sterile same, technique. Same, <laughs> And I'd rather do it because I feel like I can do it better than everybody else. Oh, my else. God, same. <laughs> That's because we trained in theatre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Um, I love a good pick dressing. Oh like no, I love, have all I like to do it quick and fast and neat as See, a pin. and you're way quicker than I am. When I do them, I normally have 10 people in the room that's never seen one before. And like, so then I'm get, I'm a little bit intimidated. So I oh, double yeah, like question everything. And like because it would have been five months by the, before I'd done another one. Yeah. Like. To me, I'm always. I feel like I'm always having to relearn that skill, yeah. so it's not like my favorite skill. But I do like to suture, but I don't do it as much anymore. Yeah. Um, and I love cannulas. I, God, I, I love, love putting cannula in. I'd prefer to cannulate if I don't have to take blood. <laughs> but most of the time, when you put them in, you have to take blood. Just can I can make a mess sometimes. Oh, well, our cannulas are better than oh, yours. Yeah, they don't yours let any blood out. Lucky. But, yeah, I, I think I definitely – I like dressings and stuff. Like yeah, I like, like really good complex dressings. I love a good vac dressing. Yeah. What else? I don't know. Oh, In a weird way, I reckon I've said this before, but I really like stomas. Mm. I don't like the smell that comes with them, mm. but I'm always interested in stomas and I I don't know why. So I worked on a colorectal ward when I first started yeah. my RN and getting a good stoma placement, like mm. dressing on, was mm. like satisfying. the bomb. Yeah. Yep. And teaching a person how to do it themselves and then they do it just like you and you're yeah. like, yes, man. Like, oh, you got it. Got yeah. it. It's like when a grad does a pick dressing and it's like spot on perfect and you taught them and you're like, fuck yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't know, I like, I like lots of procedures really. Yeah. Um, all of it. Yeah, I like all of it. Yeah. There's not one procedure that I don't like to do. No, me either. I don't feel like I get to do enough anymore because well, I'm obviously in a non-clinical. Yeah. But I love doing blood transfusions. I don't. Like my anum's like, what the fuck? I like and starting I like, I them. Love, I love a blood transfusion. I'd be happy to start one, but I can't be bothered. Like I'll sit there for the 15 minutes because that's great. You just sit there and chat to the patient for 15 minutes. Oh, see, minutes. we don't. We just. 
Oh, you we don't, don't have do to sit there because they're in the yeah. unit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our unit's so small. <laughs> <laughs> they sniff and we're like, you're right. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> Are you having a reaction? Do I need to ask yeah. take your shares? <laughs> Get APO. What's yeah. happening? <laughs> But I, and I love I love all the aspects of patient assessment. Like I love doing a bloody good assessment and yeah. handing that over to a doctor. Like that makes you feel yeah. really good and proud. Like that yep. you've done a good job and that you've been thorough. Yeah. And um, when I learned the difference in like the sounds of auscultating a chest. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense like now. I, like I used to listen difference. and I'd be like, yeah, okay, there's air going in. <laughs> Some of it's like, <laughs> and someone's like. <laughs> And now I know the difference. And that were terrible sounds, That's everybody. Great. But well anyway. <laughs> yeah. I love urgent care and, or slash ED because I feel like most of the time you can make a difference really quickly. Yeah. Like some people can look absolutely dreadful when they walk in and then within 15 minutes they're looking heaps better because of something that you've done. Yeah. Like even if it's just positioning them or making oh, no. them stop talking. <laughs> like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's the little interventions that can make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing more satisfying either than getting your patient out of bed, getting them in the shower, putting them in clean pyjamas, doing their hair and mm-hmm. having their bed made while they sit in the mm-hmm. chair next to it. Mm-hmm. That is like the ultimate turnaround <laughs> of a patient. And when you've washed their hair for them and then like you've brushed their dentures that are caked in the oh, porridge gross. from the morning and you're like, you just send there, you powder them up and you're like, <laughs> man, you look, I hope your family come in now because you look fucking amazing. And you just can smell them as soon as you walk in the yeah. door. It's so like, good. Oh, so that good. Is great. That is yeah. satisfying. I think probably the other thing, it's kind of like a win-lose. I don't know if it's, I don't know. But I, in a gross way, like emergencies. Like when there's mm. clinical emergencies, like it feels a bit like a test. Yeah. You know, I don't, that's, I'm not explaining this very well. I feel like. It's terrible that those things are happening to those people. I mean, there's not not a great deal we can do about some of them. Like sometimes they just happen and they're out yeah. of our control and we don't really have control over the result either. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the things that you learn from those experiences and the the way that you conduct yourself, you learn about how it's affecting you, you learn about how you react in those situations, you can then reflect on the situation and go – should we have IO'd them instead yeah. of wasting time trying to cannulate? Like I I think those are things that you learn you learn things in those situations that you really can't learn anywhere else. Yeah. And even you can do ten simulations and it will oh, not exactly. be the same. That's exactly so right. I feel like in a in a gross, like conflicting way, maybe I'll say I really value those experiences. Yeah, because they're and I appreciate learning them. experiences. Yeah. 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 Um, what about this great resignation everyone's talking about? The the all the nurses are leaving, we've got no nurses, what are we gonna do? I it's think not the great resignation doesn't just apply to nursing no. though. So the great resignation is like a term that's been coined in the last few years due to the enormous proportion of people walking away from their jobs. And this is like globally yeah. um, across every sector. Yeah. Since COVID, basically. Because yeah, everyone's fucking tired. Fucking tired. And they're like we're able to do their work from home for, you know, 18 months and then their company's like, come back to the office. And they're like, yes. I don't want to. Like, why should I? I can do it at home just exactly. as effectively. If not more effectively. Exactly. Or whatever, and yeah. then, like, my life is and effective too because absolutely. I can do a load of washing between Zoom meetings. That's so, the worst thing to do. I would never do that. I'd watch an episode of Love Island. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Comsec's chief equities economist, Craig James. We love Craig. Tells us that... Six 
164,300 Aussies were either in the process of changing their jobs or looking for a new position in May of 2022. That's a lot. That's, that's more than the amount of nurses there are in Australia. Yeah. Like, so um, 1.3 million people walked away from their jobs last year, according to the ABS. In Australia? In, that's in Australia. Yeah, Australian Bureau of Statistics. Wow. Yeah. So some of them totally resigned, but some of them changed yeah. jobs. It, the pandemic caused people to reassess how they want to live, work and play effectively. So seeing across the globe that people are assessing what work they want to do and how they want to yeah, do it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's true across nursing. Like I was trying to find something specifically about nurses because I think based on the trends that we've seen over the last few years, just, just when it comes to the grads, right? Mm. So obviously we know that um, – it all came out during the pandemic. Hey, if you're about to finish your nursing, we'll rush you through your registration so that you can get employed quicker. Yeah. Right? So that happens. So there's all these people that are nearly registered that are like their registrations get rushed through and they get jobs really quickly. Yeah. And then they can start in the industry straight away. There was like, if you don't want to grad year, you don't have to take one. We'll just give you a job. Yeah. So then there's all these newly registered nurses coming out, working, um, not applying for grad years or whatever. Then you've got these, then this is all purely my opinion. You from what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've read. But basically then you've got all these nurses who are like towards the end of their career going, I don't want to be doing this for the last few years of my life, like yeah. donning and doffing and dealing with all this bullshit. And nursing is an ageing population. Absolutely. So the majority of nurses were aged 45 or over. And and you could see the concern from people that we were working with about, well, they already had health problems and they yeah. were concerned about COVID before the vaccine was available. And then – so it was like, well, I'm going to retire yeah. or I'm going to take all of my long service yeah. or whatever it is or I'm going to go and work in a non-clinical role yeah. um, or I'm going to go and become a school wellbeing officer, whatever it was. So then all of that was happening. Then the vaccine became available and then a lot of those nurses and then a lot of the ones that were like, fuck, I'm so overdoing this shit. Mm. I'm going to go and work in a vaccine clinic and work 7 mm-hmm. till 4.30 or whatever it is, 7 till 3.30 and, and – or you know, 8 till 4.30 and go and work in a vaccine clinic and just literally give jabs all day. Mm. Great. So then there's those people and some of those people are still working in those roles yeah. for like Medicare or whoever they work for now or still the hospitals, but they've set up, you know, semi-permanent clinics, yeah. vaccination clinics. So I think you're seeing all of these like experienced nurses yeah. leaving to go and do non-clinical jobs because – for various reasons. Well, it's funny because I was talking to one of my uh, really old nursing friends, not old as in age, just we've – I lived with a long time. Well, I started working on the ward in 2000 and she she was a couple of years ahead of me. Right. And obviously she had, um, you know, gone up through the ranks and she'd become a clinical nurse, which is like an ANUM over yeah. here, in charge of the ward, in charge of, you know, lots of things. And during the pandemic, she quit. She quit her clinical yeah. nurse role because, and went back to doing bedside nursing yeah. um, on a casual basis mm. because she was like, my life style and my children, and they're in WA, so not even that affected yeah, yeah. by the pandemic yeah. like we were here with lockdowns and whatever. But she was like, I can't do this anymore. There was no flexibility in her role. There was no flexibility with rostering because of the um, the way that worked. And she and like she messaged the other day about um, I just asked her about bedside nursing and she's like, It is so nice to be Mac to be back making a difference in patients' lives. Yeah. That's all I really wanted to be as a nurse. And yeah. now that's what I'm doing. And like she's been a nurse for like over 
probably 25 years. She's younger than me. She's got teenage kids. You know, she's like, my work-life balance is important now. And I think that's what we need to think about. And it doesn't mean necessarily you need to leave. Some people will return to bedside but not in those management roles. They literally just want to go back to making a difference and back to basic general nursing. Mm. I think something else we've seen too is like this big push to push people into jobs to fill all these roles and to yeah. fill these new hospitals that are being built and to to staff these extra COVID wards yeah. and whatever it is. And then, obvi- then they're not recruiting into those areas like theatre, like the ones that were redeployed during yeah. all that time. So they're not recruiting into those areas, not investing training and education into those areas. And then you've got um, – like I look at the amount of grads that – we had waiting for our positions last, last year. year. Yeah. Compared to this year, we had two. Last yeah. year, there was like a thousand. Yeah. So when you look at that difference, that tells me that there's more positions than nurses at the moment. Yeah. But the trends that I see for the future is that that's going to change yep. because people are going to return to bedside because Absolutely. it is at the core of why a lot of people get into nursing. Absolutely. And yeah. And because the COVID jobs aren't going to be there anymore. So, and then the complications from COVID aren't going to be there anymore. Maybe that's, this is my prediction. Yeah. If I had a crystal ball, I feel like we're not going to be doing the whole PPE thing. Like the COVID patients aren't going to be as prevalent on the wards that things will slowly eventually return back to how they were pre COVID. Yeah. And I think then we will end up with a thousand grads for every yeah. for every grad nurse position because you know because they all get free training for well, the next few exactly, years. Well, that's exactly that is exactly it because yeah. in Victoria, the nursing is going to be free. So, but I don't understand. Uh, that's a whole different story. It anyway. is a whole different. Story. <laughs> we we won't even go there. <laughs> but I do think that basically at the crux of it, bedside nursing is amazing. Shift work mm-hmm. can be great if the shift, you know, and if you, it's not what you want, you go you go do something else. Yeah. But you don't have to leave bedside and you don't need – don't feel like if you want to be a bedside nurse, all these people telling you that to leave bedside nursing for to gain better work-life balance, That you don't need to do that. No. You need to start taking your annual leave. You need to mm. start taking – you need to actively prevent burnout. Yeah, set your in boundaries. Ways. And that doesn't mean quitting your job. It means working on you. And actually I went to – um we – the hospital ran an EAP session for managers the other day. Really? And it was so good. Like she did a burnout quiz with us and basically said, you know, you need to actively prevent burnout. And in this day and age, you need to know what burnout is so you can actively help your staff members to prevent burnout. And even if that means you let them leave half an hour early on one of their days or you, you know, encourage them to take their breaks. Like yeah. I'm always saying to my girls, who's going to – Who's going yep. to lunch? Who's doing this? Are we going to lunch together today? Do we have a pay? Like, yeah. like, and it's easy because I'm in a small unit. Yeah. But take your breaks. Yeah. Go for the pee. Take your annual leave. Book some annual leave in. So she says now that she's had the annual leave yeah. and has some booked <laughs> in the future. But, yeah, we're allowed to love it. Like we can love yeah, bedside exactly. nursing. Exactly. Yeah. I think the great thing about nursing is that you can know what you want. You don't have to know what you want. You can work where you love. You can work somewhere that gives you a little bit of what you love. Like, and I was saying this to a student recently about that, you know, diabetes educators might work in diabetes clinics because they just froth diabetes. Doesn't mean you have to. No, thank God because I hate it. Exactly. Someone has to. And I'm like, and I love working where we work because I get, I get such a broad, like a broad scope of, 
of every kind of patient that there yeah. could possibly be will come to our hospital. Absolutely. And I love that. And, you know, you can work – you could work every day in a job that you – in, in an area that you absolutely love. Absolutely. In bedside nursing. Yeah. And if you decide you don't love it anymore, you'll go and find yeah, something else. That's exactly right. I did not hate the job that I was working. I yeah. just love oncology. Exactly. And I didn't hate – like doing direct bedside or working in urgent care or being an A&M, which I still am, but I am yeah. like working more in education. But like that, doing that suits yeah. my life better. Yeah. And I still get to do all of the things that I really exactly. fucking love. It's so good. Anyway, this is my miss bedside, but I'm not coming back. I made a joke about you coming back actually. I'm like, hey, Kelly's contract finishes next like June or July. She can be back on the ward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had to. I would, but I don't want to. Money. You probably yeah. make good money now anyway. No, I mean, I don't make the shift work shift money. Work money. The shift work me after hours manager money way better. <laughs> way better. <laughs> we support all nurses, bedside or otherwise. And we'd love to hear your funny bedside nursing stories that will make others love it again too. Burnout is real. Take your meal breaks, annual leave, look after yourself and make sure you use your EAP if you need to. Definitely use your EAP. I've used it. Me I used too. it when I was pregnant. Yeah. Because I was scared of having a girl and look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast or send us an email to hello at two humorous nurses.com. That's humorous like a bone. H U M E R U S. Bye. Bye.